the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download and listen to for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest is Tom Cole from Rittle University College near Chelmsford. Coming up, we'll be answering your questions on everything from figs and begonias to grapevines. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Tom, it's a warm welcome to the programme and we have had more lovely weather in the last week and chance to get out in the garden and really get on with it so come on what's your first tip for well, this week well it has been, it's been manic out there because it's so good everything is growing berserk it is isn't it uh, particularly all those climbers so you mm. might have done your, your initial pruning on your roses for example your climbers and your ramblers but actually they're really bursting ahead so i've actually been going out this week and well, i'll be going out the, the following week in. doing a bit of tucking in but also some sort of festooning of the climber rose where you bend, nice. you bend the branches down against their will you you tie them all in and actually they produce loads of flowers all the way from the tip right away back almost to the base of their growth uh, either from last year for a rambler or this year for a, for a climber or I twist them around the supports on a pergola so it's really good to do that now I'll tell you what else is really taking off clematis my word have they put on some growth haven't well, they I'll tell you but in the last couple of weeks I've got viticellas which have grown and they produce flowers on this year's growth but later in the year they put on about two foot plus know, already, they're, and they're way above the obelisk on one thing because I didn't prune them down last year. Um, so I've got to tie them in securely, otherwise they could be liable to get up high and then snap. So I mean, tying those in and tying in honeysuckle. Yeah. So things like Graham Thomas, lovely, lovely, uh, sweetly scented honeysuckle. It, you need to do a little bit of initial pruning now to to forego some flowers. So you tie it in more and along the fence and over the trellising just. Do that tying in now and you will really be rewarded later in the year. Well, there you are. Get out there with your soft twine. Exactly, yes. Now, talking of summer coming very swiftly, as it appears to have at the moment, if you haven't cleaned your patio, you should have done, really, because there's so many products out there on the market today that actually clean up patios really well. Um, some people use jet washes, jet washers, don't they? I don't know whether you do that, do you, Tom, or not? I'm, I'm going to use a jet washer yeah. uh, this year to get off all of that old slime and everything else. But I'm not going to use a cleaner as such because actually I, I want some of those plants in the cracks and crevices mm -hmm. to stay there. But uh, I need to bring up the colour again on the patio. However, if you've got um, pointing, you know, and jointing, sometimes oh, it will whip yeah, your jointing yeah, out. Yeah. So a jet washer has its downsides, Be careful, yes. hasn't it? It has its downsides. Uh, but there are patio cleaners that are totally harmless to plants. And many of them you just put on, water on, and don't have to scrub it, which is fantastic. No, just by, it just eats them. into it, doesn't it? And then you Yeah, I mean, one off. I've used, is, um, it came out ages ago, called Patio Magic, and I used to think, oh, yeah, that's a good name, but that doesn't work. <laughs> but actually, it works really well. But it's nothing, you know, if you're sitting out there in the morning having a coffee or evening having a glass of wine and a beer, you do want to be sitting there, you know, in, in, your, in your loungers on a nice, clean patio. Exactly. So exactly. get out there and get it cleaned. Well, in a few weeks, well, actually about a week or a week and a half's time, I'm going to be with my RHS Level 3 practical students. We are going to be creating a hardy annual border. Fantastic. We've done all the pre-work. We've done all the preparation. We've, pre we've prepared the ground, dug it over, produced a seedbed. 
left it for two weeks to make it fallow. And now we're going to create some really good sort of shapes and put in fairly traditional in the terms of looking at it from the front, short at the front, Come middle on, range and taller. Well, we're going to use things like Clarkia's, uh, Tropiolum, the sort of nasturtium, things like uh, Nigella's going to be in there. There's some lovely Lavatera or annual mallows you can use. Yeah, they're um, colourful, aren't they? There's even some there lovely annual echiums you can use as well to give you a bit more height. Um, and, of course... It wouldn't be right if we didn't have any good old sunflowers in there. No. You put them at the back, I hope. Well, you can. there's a lovely dwarf forms. You've got dwarf, medium and tall types. So there's something there for everyone. And, and we sort of mark out with sand and then sow in parallel rows with very shallow drills. So it's much easier to see where the weeds are and where the good plants are. And the time is about right now. Do it now. Yep, do it now. And you will be blessed with a really good display and later cheap, in the year. And cheap, isn't it? Absolutely. Some of these packets are like 89p, you know, mm-hmm. 90p. A pretty good, pretty good value for money. Talking of making gardens colourful and looking good, the lawn is the thing that makes the borders look good. Now, if you're doing a border, one of the most important things is to see that the edges are cut really well. Um, and I like to sharpen them up, I think is the word. If you've got a good straight one, just run along it with your edging eye and your half moon and just tidy it up. If you've got some kinks where people have trodden on the edge, people do, don't they? Tread right on the edge and crush it. Take it out if it's on a curve. You can just make the curve, make the bed a little bit bigger. It won't worry. But don't take too much off because then you're fine. You go to people's gardens, they say, this used to be a little edge (laughs) and it's now two foot wide. But go around with a half moon, a nice sharp half moon, and you can do miracles with an edge and make it look the the business they it can, really does they can look phenomenal it? even if you couldn't cut that grass that day but you did the edge it really makes yeah. it yeah and then finish out. off with the ha- with the edging shears hold them nice and upright and see that the bottom blade is held held stiffly and you only move the top blade. exactly one arm is being moved that's right very good well, I'm afraid I'm going to end on a doom and gloom point oh, because no. pest and disease, oh, it's there no. rearing its head. The good old aphid. Well, I don't think the aphid's gone, actually. It's been Never. there all year. <laughs> all winter. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, this is the time to actually use your various products out there to try and combat that, particularly on uh, roses, because they've got lots of sappy new growth. But even things like Philadelphia's, Colquitsia, Deutzia's, they're all coming into bloom at some point uh, before June. Uh, go out there, be vigilant. I mean, sometimes if it's really, really bad, I pinch out the tips of young growth if it's it does infested. Help, doesn't it? Yeah, and it causes some branching on the plant and it, you know, you minimise the risk. And disease-wise, look out for the telltale signs of things like black spot, rust, uh, mildew. We won't get powdery mildew so much at the moment, but as the weather causes the soil to dry out more, uh, we might get that problem coming. It's like someone's chucked a whole load of powder over the plants and you can wipe it off your finger and thumb. Um, So do check they're okay. And I do like to do lots of cultural controls. So watering a plant regularly and feeding, minimizes and it feeding, feeding it, it it's growing strengthens it pruning thins out so you can create airflow but be vigilant be vigilant it's not all doom and gloom in on those no is not it? really no <laughs> so there are there's some tips to, of jobs you could be getting on with this next week the bbc essex gardening hour with ken crowther every saturday from 11. Let's have a look at some of those gardening events across Essex. Let's kick off with Thursday the 13th of April and the Great Baddow Horticulture Society are holding their spring show, entries free and anyone can enter. 
Um, and you can have a look at that from 8pm on Thursday the 13th. Last year, over 90 exhibits, Narcissi and Daffodil Cattery, and over 150 uh, exhibits in other classes. Saturday the 16th of April, 10am till midday, the matching charity Farmers Market at the Village Hall, and that has fresh produce, local farmers, producers, including meats, cakes and eggs. Takes place third Saturday of every month. Monday the 24th of April, Billericay Horticultural Society have a talk on wildlife habitats in Billericay, and that's by Neil Sumner. Eight o'clock, takes place at Chantry Way Day Centre. Visitors are always welcome. Entry is £2. On the 20th of May, 10am till midday, the matching charity farmers market will be on again, so that's that three weeks. And a bit of advance notice, again, um, of events that are coming up. The garden at Uttlesford, this is in June, put it in your diary, Uttlesford and Harlow will be open to raise money for St Clair Hospice. It's now in its 23rd year and there will be more than 20 gardens taking part. That's on the 24th and 25th of June. Put it in your diary. Now, some of those events around the county need to be mentioned here to get more people along to your events. You need to send them to me at least three weeks' notice. Ken Crowther at bbc.co.uk or you can write to me at BBC Essex, P.O. Box 765, Chelmsford, CM2 9XB. Coming up next, myself and Tom will be answering your gardening questions and we'll start with Eve in Harlow and her bluebells. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. I've got a really tight clump of them um, and they're not going to flower. They haven't flowered. Um, what can I do with them? You're sure no, they're not I mean, going to... Why do you think they're not going to flower? It's still early, isn't it, for bluebells? Very early, yeah. They're just starting well, to come out. Were they really... I mean, as I say, it's a really tight clump. I was in Did a garden... Flower? Well, I was in a garden yesterday and... There were only leaf showing, absolutely no heads coming. At, well, no. you could see down in, in the bottoms of them, their yeah. heads. I can see uh, in the one I was on yesterday, some are in bloom already, some are quite tight, uh, some are in bud, and it's only just, they've only just started actually. So I, I think they'll flower, they'll be okay. And the thing is, you'll never be able to dig them out, Eve, because they're always so deep, they're an impossibility to dig out. It could be worth feeding them after, if they don't flower, feed them with a good potash feed. Yeah, before they lose their leaves. How about that? Well, I'll try that, yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> don't give up on bluebells, Eve. <laughs> All right? I already have. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, so why do you want to get... So do you want to get rid of them, or have you just given up on them? No, no, um... They're such, as I say, they're such a tight clump. They don't look uh, very nice. And also, I'd like to give them to some of my relations. Right. Well, the answer is that if you need, um, you need somebody with a very good digging ability, because uh -huh. the bulbs will be at nearly a foot down. Would you say? Yeah, they can be. Yeah, can be nearly yeah. a foot down. Oh. <laughs> That's the problem. Oh. Uh. Give it a go. Anyway. Have you, uh, get, who are you trying to give it to? A relation? Get them round there with a spade and see if they can dig it up. How about that, Eve? That's a good idea, yes. <laughs> but preferably try and let them flower first before you move them. All right? Right. Yes, lovely. 
Thank okay. you for your help. That's OK, Eve. That's bluebells. And, in fact, you mustn't dig them up out the wild, must you, because they're actually protected. Absolutely. Leave them alone. Enjoy them. David in Chelmsford. Hello, David. Morning, Ken. Uh, I've been given a hydrangea that was bought from a garden centre and whoever gave it to me said I should cut the heads off. Right. They look quite healthy. And then uh, I wondered when I should plant them in the ground with the frosts about. Right. So like, I imagine you've been given a hydrangea that's an indoor plant, yes? It had big, big blooms on it, did it? Uh, there's no blooms. Uh, it's just coming out towards bloom, and I don't know whether it's an indoor or outdoor one. Ah, oh, hang on then. <clears throat> is it in a sort of black pot? It is, yes. With a with a few sticks out of it, yeah. Of, that That's are just right, start, yeah. just start, yeah. It's outdoor, isn't it? Yeah. Must be. Okay. Well, it was bought for outdoor, so. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. No, yeah. because so many hydrangeas <clears throat> at this time of year, Tom, aren't they? They're sold as house plants. They aren't are, they? and you can actually still. Enjoy those inside, enjoy the flowers. And then use them outside. And then put them outside, let them harden up, and then actually keep them outside forever. But I think this <clears> one, <throat> for David, is actually, he's been bought from yeah. a garden, so it's an outdoor So, so actually, that can go in now. That and it's got heads, old heads on it still, you said? Well, no, it's new heads, but... Um, they do you mean new growth? Do, do you mean new shoots? No, they're actually going to be flowers at some time. Why would you cut them off? Well, that's what I wondered. Well, I hope the garden centre didn't suggest that. No, it was the uh, friend that uh, oh, gave yeah. it to us. Well, well I, I would, I would def- you, definitely, you don't pl- definitely flowers off, do you? Definitely plant it out, and I think if you've got a sort of place that's got sort of dappled shade, there's there's plenty of moisture, uh, then that'll be a perfect place for a hydrangea. Okay, that, that's where I wanted them as well. Good. Now you've got the right spot. <clears throat> and if you want, I'll leave the heads on. Yeah. What sort of colour do you think it is? Uh, one's blue and one's pink. Okay. Right. Well, the blue one, if you keep it with ericaceous food, you will keep it blue nicely, wouldn't you, Tom? You will do, yes. Yeah. All right? All right. Thank you very much. Okay. And enjoy your hydrangeas. I don't understand that, do you? Cutting off sounds that horrendous. You do get some funny advice, but you don't get funny advice. Well, they advice. aren't flowering at the moment, no, actually. You cut the heads off. No. Oh, very strange. <clears throat> Right, OK, we're talking about cats, aren't we, Anne? Uh, yes. Um, my husband heard you on the phone, uh, on the uh, radio last week. I was on the phone. I've got yep. two questions, really. That cat scarer you spoke about, yes. we're inundated with them around here. Does, does it work? If you... Right. What Jeff was saying, and in fact, I can vouch for this. It's interesting. Jeff said that he'd done a series of tests on many different scarers for animals... Right. And the cat, I can't remember what he said it was called. Cats, cats, cats. It was the specific for cats, nothing else. Yeah, and, and also I think it, you said it was bird, you know, the uh, the bird, RS something. Uh, it was recommended by the RSPB, yeah. yeah. Now, the thing is, funny enough, many years ago, at least 20 years ago, I did an interview with the man who had invented that cat one. And uh, sadly, he's no longer with us, but the company is still there. And um, it, it again, I trialled it with and through BBC Essex, and it did work. Yeah, because I have looked online, and I looked at the comments, and I wondered if it was the same one. I also looked on Amazon, because mm. I had a Mother's Day present last year that my uh, son bought me, and it was cat something. And what you do is you attached it to the hose, yep. and when the um, yep. cat... 
goes past. It you know, squirts the, water. Um, <laughs> it squirts water, and it's now, very good actually. Yeah, now. and I was going to say that's the only other one that I've heard is very good. That sounds good. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, we've got them coming on the fence and everything. You know, it's yeah. a bit of a pain, really. Yeah, the only thing is that when you walk through past the beam of the cat scare, you will use some of the battery. You can get ones that you can plug into the mains with a with a transformer, uh, yeah. but they will use battery. But they're yeah, still I, well I worth it. And they use them for training cats as well. Yeah, I've got plenty, because when I put it up the front, I have to warm the postman when he comes. <laughs> right. So you're happy... Also, there's something else. Yes, what I was your other question, Anne? An bought me for Mother's Day. An azalea? Um, I feed it with? Hang on. An azalea, did you say? Yeah, it's flying flowers, and it's is absolutely this in... brilliant. Is this indoor or outdoor? Uh, well, it's in a pot, and I thought I was going to put it outside. Did it have dark? Did it have dark green leaves? Yes. That's indica, isn't it? It's one of the indicas, isn't it? It's, yeah. which it's is a lovely in, pink. I've taken yeah, some photos of it. That'll be an indoor. Yeah. Right, and and you've bought it, and it's in, is it, well, it's in bloom. So what you want to use is sequestered iron or sequestrine. It's a good acid feed. Now they're not 100% hardy for outdoors, are they? No. Um, you can, once you've enjoyed it, wherever, if you've got it inside on the windowsill somewhere or in the lounge or is yeah, it... I've got it on the kitchen. I've got oh, it okay. on the kitchen uh, worktop. So, okay. yeah, you know, enjoy it there. Once it's, I mean, I would actually, you could actually feed now. Uh, you can feed towards the end of the flowers as they fade and once the flowers are faded, I'd actually put it outside uh, for the summer period. Repot it? And then yeah, repot it with ericaceous compost, uh, just the next size up, um, and then you can start to enjoy it again for the following year. Oh, that's lovely because I've been into Wilkinson's and I I got the sequestrian feed last year and I don't seem to be doing it this year. So I've got a, a, any any good garden, any good garden, garden centre will have yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, any good garden centre will stock that. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ken. What what you got for us? How can I take cuttings from tuberous begonias? Uh. You take you well. You could cut the tuber, couldn't you? You can. It, it regenerates that's from the what, tuber. That's what you would normally do. How big's the tuber? It's only very small, and I want to try oh. and get some more of it reasonably quickly. When you say small, about an inch across. Ooh, that's too small it's to a bit cut. Small, isn't it? really. I mean, technically, you can because there'll be a uh, a growth point on it, and as long as you have with both halves you part of that growth a, point. Could you take a cutting? You can't, you can't really, can you? It doesn't work very well, does it? Um, you can. I mean, the theory is yes, you, well, you can. can. You can from take the shoots. You can take software cuttings from the shoots once it's in good growth. So you may maybe prepare for that, right? And then eventually that will produce uh, a good tuberous base. Uh, but that sounds quite small for me. Yeah, it's not the sort of thing so that actually, most people I would, would expand. Yeah, I would they? grow that on as a nice stock plant, okay. and then and then take some cuttings from that. Okay, that's fine. What one is it out of interest? It's just one of the apricot ones, and it's, it's quite pretty. Very I'm quite pop- yeah, very popular. Apricot shades with the um, yeah. perfume as well. I don't know about the perfume on that one. I can't remember. Def- I mean, quite Def- honestly, if it were me, I know you're trying to uh, do some work on that one, but the cost of them is quite... They're not that expensive, and you can okay. buy... You can buy plugs of those, can't you? Now, you I can think do. small ones yeah. from many but, of the mail order people. Yeah, but I would definitely take some software cuttings a little bit later on in the season. BBC Essex, it's the Gardening Hour. Tom Cole, Ken Crowther answering your gardening questions. And we've had a note back. Uh, Mick Lavelle and myself were discussing a picture that Anne from Dovercourt sent us. Um, and we said it was a helibore. 
Um, it was distinctly a hellebore as far as we were concerned. She said, thanks for your answer. Read the above. And she said, why hasn't it got serrated leaves? Because her hellebores <laughs> normally have. But in fact, from seeded, sometimes the self-seeded hellebores won't always produce a serrated leaf, will they? No, they won't. So, I mean, you'll have the odd bit of serration in there. And actually, depending on the... Actually, some of the crosses you get now, as they're also interbreeding, uh, you might actually get a leaf which is totally entire and there's no serrations at all. And that was so, more what this was like. Yeah, so it's it's not uncommon to get that. And also, when it's young, you tend not to have that so much. Right. So they are. And we go back to the phones and talk to David from Battlesbridge. Hi, David. Hi there. I got a lilac tree about three years ago. And it's never produced a good display of flowers. It's only got back to one this year. What can I do to uh, make it flower? Are you are you doing anything to it at all? Are you doing any pruning or? Uh, no, I haven't pruned it. It's no. about five, uh, four and a half, five foot tall. Right, so it's got the right sort of wood there for it flowering. Because it's, it? it's a relatively early flowering plant, so it always flowers on older wood. I mean, what I would probably do is um, I would definitely do a good feed uh, and go That'd for something. Let's, let's do a boost of something like top rows. Top rows might be better. That will really invigorate the plant. And that's got very good high levels of potash. It's got all the others as well, nitrogen and phosphorus. But yeah. that that might actually help for flowering. It may not well, help you. Won't, possibly not might not help year. you this year. But it will certainly no. boost it for the following year. Um, what you can do is, I mean, if there are the odd bits of flowers, let, let them flower. Then after flowering, what you could do is maybe thin out the plant if it's thick and congested if it's not then just leave it alone and well, i would go for a feed three years old yeah no i would i would definitely feed three years old right i wouldn't expect to have a lot of flowers on that now at the Two moment i reckon around about between three and five years that's when you're going to start to get lots so more feed flowers it. feed it well yeah so yeah. boost it with top rows do the same next year and i think you'll start to build up enough wood to support flowers so do i so it's worth uh, trying yeah i think people we are all a bit hurried aren't we we always expect instant results yeah. and, and gardening isn't like that the bbc essex gardening hour with ken crowther every saturday from 11. this is an interesting question actually is there an easy way to tell all the different varieties of roses apart now she then she doesn't mean varieties necessarily i'm trying to help an elderly friend with her garden and she has lots of roses that need pruning keep hearing us say Prune a floribunda this way, prune a hybrid tea this way, and we tell them to prune them differently. How does she, at this stage, tell the difference? Well, well you can't easily. Well, can there's, you? A, there's another question to ask. It's ask that person, when did those roses flower? Because that will give you an indication about what type of wood it flowers on. Okay, particularly if it's got a lot of whippy young growth coming from the base and it's, it. and it's up and growing over a fence and you're thinking it's a climber because it might be a rambler rose because if it's a rambler rose, it flowers on last year's growth. But she's more talking about bush, I think, because she's so, saying she hears us talking about teas. Yeah, so and you've got floral. shrub. So you, actually, and then within that, you've got shrub you're roses. You're going to confuse the issue. Let's, let's stay well, on to no, because right. visually they look different. Okay, okay. Shrub roses, you they're 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 more permanent. You've got a thicker stem it's system. It's more like a shrub. It is literally. It is like a shrub, and with those, you tend to be either deadheading at this time of the year and doing a little bit of thinning out. 
and in some cases you might cut them quite hard. With the floribundas and the hybrid teas or the cluster flowered and large flowered modern bush rose, they tend to flower, well they all flower on new growth, so you tend to cut those quite hard. But looking, they are, I suppose, less shrub-like, if that makes any sense. You haven't got multiple thick, thick, rigid branches. You tend to have them uh, more, much closer to the ground. So, I yes, but what would you do? You see, I'd just cut them all mm. down to so and so height and let them sort themselves out. Yeah, but you might lose all your flowers from the shrub type rose. Yeah, but if you don't know what the floribunda is, so that goes back to my original question. No, no, no you, don't you have to ask those questions. <laughs> um, I don't agree. As well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, look, here, I'll give you one. Queen Elizabeth, right? Queen Elizabeth's got big, big okay. stems, and then it's got little, small stems, but it's a floribunda. So how would she know mm. what it was? She wouldn't have a clue. No. So what would you do? I'd cut it down to six to eight inches and let it grow from the base. It'll delay the flowering, but then she can start to look at what they are. You could do, do you that. Like my idea? Yeah, you could do that. I don't think I'd cut it that hard, but... I would. Um, with the other roses, I would always ask that question. Can you remember when it flowered? But if the old lady can't, got to get on with it. Don't forget linen epping. Give them a good feed when you prune them as well. Top rose. That's the one. Shirley from Ramsden Bell House. Hello there. And what have we got from you today? Hello. Hello. It's about my skimmia. Mm-hmm. You, you helped me a couple of years ago by telling me to go and buy a rubella, rubella to go with it. Oh, nice. it was all, all flowers. And we had the best year ever. It was really wonderful. Well, I didn't cut it down or anything. I just enjoyed it. Well, last year it it bloomed, yes, and I've had I've got some buds on it. Well, I've got red berries from last year, which are lovely still. But there's not as many of them, and they're under the leaves. So, what should I do? Should I cut the cut the cut it off, or should, do I prune it down, or what do I do with it now? No, you don't. You don't need to really prune them. Actually, um, I would leave. I would leave them in that in that sort of situation. What I would do as you're coming into the growing season is give them a good feed of yeah. something ericaceous like feed. yeah, an ericaceous product or sequestered iron. Uh, yeah. So any iron-based products, I would use those. That will help. That will help green up the plant and help that particular range of plants. Um, it's lovely and green at the moment. Yeah, no, just boost it for the rest of the year. That was all. Um, but yes. don't. Although it's it's not quite March, uh, but I would do that in March. Don't do it now. It's a bit temperamental at the moment. The weather, uh, but do that sort of uh, early to mid March. Follow the instructions. Um, but I don't think there's any need to touch. The only time I touch skimmers is if, if they've actually slightly gone out of control. And what I will tend to do with them then is definitely don't prune them now, but prune them as you go into uh, sort of April, May time. And I just shape them. But I just cut back to a nice pair of leaves uh, and shape them. So these red berries that are underneath, I, I just leave those? Yeah, leave those. They'll drop off at some point. And at a later point in the year, they'll begin. To, they'll get more flowers emerging, and uh, that rubella is a lovely male skimmia. Oh, it is lovely, isn't it? And it's just uh, in some some people have only just had the flowers on those. Uh, so you know, it, I enjoy them for what they are at the moment, and only really do pruning around about April, May for evergreens. But definitely do some feeding of a acid feed uh, from about mid March onwards. Oh, and I can look forward to what I had before. You, you should be able you to, can, yes. You see, yeah. And some yeah. good advice from us here at BBC Essex as well. How about that? And, well, I've had that before, so this is, this is a second lot. 
Thank you very much. <laughs> Good luck. She's doing well, isn't she? Doing well indeed. They are. And uh, it's nice to hear that people come back to us and say that actually what we have said... It worked. It worked. Because <laughs> that is really... You might get a few phone calls now saying, well, it didn't. Well, it didn't work. No, it was no good at all. Let's go to Eve in Harlow. Now, what have you got in your lawn, Eve? Hello. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, um, I, it's not doing any harm, really. It's just that it appeared last year, and it's appeared again this year. Um, I put seed out and, and bird food for the doves, and of course they're on the slabs that I've got there. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I say, these um, this hole appears. Well, it's appeared again this year. It's um, just slightly larger than a, a broomstick, you know, in diameter. You know. So it's. Mm, what was your aim? And the hole is around where you're putting the the food. The food. Just at the side of it. Hmm. We got four-legged friends. Do you think it's a rat? Could be. There's been a lot. There's a lot around. There's a lot of rats. Is it bigger than a broomstick? Would you say? Not very much bigger. Could be voles, mice, or rats. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. You see, this is one of the. I mean, you know. You can't knock feeding birds and doves and whatever, because we all do it. We all like to encourage, you know, wildlife and birds into our garden. We want to look after them. But there is that risk. And, in fact, you know, rats are a problem, aren't they? Generally, rats and mice and voles. I'll just plug up the hole. Plug up the hole, see what it does. Okay. Put a big stone. Get a stone. Get a stone. Push a stone down. Push a stone down first and then fill it up with soil. Right. Because chances are it's coming up the hole rather than going down, if you know what I mean. It's, it's coming up yeah. to get the food and then going back down. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, thanks very much for your help. Eve, Bye. let us know how you get on, because we'll be interested to know. We go to Barry from East Burgholt now. Uh, what do you got for us, Barry? Hi, good morning to you. Um, well, you've very kindly helped me in the past with um, a problem of rust and black spot on my roses. Yeah. Um, but um, which, which I must admit, you know, helped last year um, with the treatment that I that I gave following your advice. But I'm I've noticed that not only one old rose, but the dozen or so um, roses that are now only four years old um, are uh, showing quite a quantity of yellowy moss-like um, surface up the, up the main stems. Is that lichen? Yeah. Is it flaky? Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. That's, it's perfectly fine, um, and it will come in many forms, but that, that is uh, lichen, really. Yeah. So it's... it's a um, Sign of clean air. It can though, be so. a sign of clean air, actually. So I wouldn't really worry about... I mean, I know some people try and scrub that all off, but I, it's not really harming the plant at all. Over well, a very... No, over a very, hang on, over a very long period, Tom, and I mean long, number of years, 20 years, it could choke its growth a bit, couldn't it? But if you're regularly pruning your roses... Yeah, then you're, not, you're growth, not letting it build up. Then, you're not you? letting it build no. up, are you? If anything, it'll actually just build up on the very old stump areas on the plants, but <coughs> not on your, pr- if you're pruning, so if you've got a bush rose and you're pruning it quite hard, then you're not really going to get that problem. Well, it's not a problem. Yeah, but... I, am, I am pruning back, and it is the main. It certainly is the main stems, the main part from the base upwards, yeah. where it's appearing. And I was just a bit worried whether it's any excess water. There's a lot of water. The area um, does get quite quite wet. Um, you know, when we get a lot of rain, um, that that area is um, 
you know, noticeably a damp, a damp border. Um, but uh, I don't think that's a pro- that's not the real problem, is it? No, it's not a problem. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you can at the base of roses where water collects get moss. Moss needs water to reproduce, uh, and that would be more worrying uh, because uh, then look at your plant, and if it be- it's beginning worse year on year, then it could be because you've got waterlogging there. But not not in this case. This case is absolutely fine. I would just enjoy it for what it is. Is that all right? Thank you very much. Give it a feed, feed, feed. feed when you when you prune because that way the rose is even stronger and therefore strong plants grow better and have less problems. Absolutely. One of the things I would say is prune in February. You can prune them into March. But I don't feed until March. Hello, Roger. Yes. Good morning to you. Um, I've got a magnolia grandiflora. It's one mm-hmm. of the summer flowering um, magnolias. Yep. And it's just got a bit tall and straggly now. And, um, you know, I want to prune it. Can you tell me when the best time is to prune right. it? I'm going to ask... take it back about, oh, I don't know, 20%. Right, I'm going to ask you, where, where's it planted, firstly? Uh, it's just in the garden. No, uh, I know, a, but is it against a wall? standing it's, on its own. It's on its own as a single plant, OK. Mm. And it's gone about 15, 20 foot high now. I've pruned those at many different times of year. In theory, it's an evergreen you plant, you could prune it April, May. Um, I have actually pruned them in winter and got away with it, but it, it, what would you do, Tom? Well, I think um, it is the, east facing. Yeah, so it's going to get yeah, right. Yeah. So that's I. I had heard recently uh, that uh, there were a couple of um, larger gardens that had actually cut back granite quite hard. And actually, it was perfectly fine. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, it flowers, uh, t- yeah, midsummer onwards. So yeah, um, in in another place of work, we used to cut those after flowering, after flowering and be quite ruthless. Really, we were really. I mean, we take more than twenty percent off. Uh, we were cutting them sort of quite hard back to an outward facing leaf. I actually, for safety, east facing, I would wait. I wouldn't do it now. No, no, I wouldn't I would do it now. I would wait till April if you don't worry about losing the flower. Roger. Yeah. And if not, I think I would do what Tom, I'd enjoy the flowers and then prune straight after flowering. Could you cope for not. the year without Sorry? flower? Could you cope for the year not doing anything and then do it straight after oh, flowering? Yes, it's just now just getting out of shape a bit and it's, you know, it's a shame because it is such a lovely tree. Yeah, so what and I would do, lot, yeah. And but a lot of flowering. Um, come into it in the winter as well. Yeah. I think April, May time, you could do a bit of thinning and then come mm. back after flowering and do some... You know, major you, surgery. You could do some major work on it, yes. Oh, yeah. lovely. Also on it, they're throwing roots out now about uh, 15 foot from the tree uh, up onto the grass. Would I be all right uh, cutting some of that uh, further root off? Mm. You, hang on, the roots you're, The roots are emerging or have they got suckers on the roots? No, they're emerging now from the thing, Don't but they're going to 15 oh. foot. And if That's I, unusual. I need really to take them off about three foot three because they're getting underneath the greenhouse. Well, you could root prune. It wouldn't be a problem. That's Might okay. I mean, how far is it away from the main trunk of the tree? Oh, it'll be about 10 to 12 feet. Oh, no yeah, problem at absolutely all. Absolutely fine. Your key roots... Let's come out. That's quite a way out, actually. That is a long way. Uh, but the feeder roots are actually around the sort of edge of the canopy. Mm. So those are really the most important uh, areas. So Take the ones um, off the Take defend. those other ones off, yeah. All right, so I can prune them back and not take them right off to the stump, but I can take Oh, no, them no, 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 no. Definitely no. don't. Just take them off where they're offending. Yeah. In other words, right. if they're lifting out through the lawn, cut that section out. Of course, when you do that, they will also branch out. They will. Um, so you might be doing that in on a, four years' time. Yeah, you might, you might do that in a regular ish way. All right, Roger? 
Right, thank you very much. Thank That's you, a everyone. pleasure. 0300 200 4041. That's the number to call. So we can talk gardening all the way through till 12. There's a line free at the moment. And you can text me uh, so that Tom and myself can talk about your question on oath, no, on 8133. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, with Essex on the front. Now we're talking camellias with Maureen from Braintree. Hello, Maureen. Hello, gentlemen. Um, because we haven't been, neither of us, been well since Christmas, we haven't been out to attend our camellia. It's in a pot on the patio, and it's coming into bud. Last year, it had a little bit of sooty mould. Now, I thought you suggested you spray it at some stage. Right. Are we too late? No, what we've got to explain is, we, and it's worth for other people, isn't it, Tom, that sooty mould is a secondary mm-hmm. problem, isn't it? Yeah, you got the sooty mould everywhere, and then when you have a sap-sucking insect on a plant, it excretes everywhere, and it's the sooty mould that invades that sticky solution, which then gives you the black sort of covering on the leaf. So you've got, there's two things here. Uh, we've, got to get, we've actually got to get rid of the pest. So you could, if you look underneath the leaf, you'll probably find the pest, or it might be on the stem or the trunk of the tree. Um, have a look for it there. And what you could use is use a systemic uh, insecticide, but it needs that needs to work by being absorbed by the plant, so, so the it's pest be growing, attacks it. it. So it's got to be sort of growing, really. And I'm not sure if it's not growing enough at the moment. Not a month. Yeah. So so we can leave that till the end of the month. Um, sooty mould, you can wipe that off. So lukewarm water, just get some cotton wool and wipe it off the leaves, uh, and that will actually help the plant get maximum light, so that would be good for it. Good feed uh, in another month as well. So you could actually spray and feed at the same time. Could do, yes. And yeah. that would induce good grow- clean growth, and hopefully <clears throat> you'll get rid of your pests as well. What colour's the flower? Sorry? In another month. About a month's yeah, time. Yeah, I would say in about a month. It's really actively growing then. Uh, but you go and investigate it. Look underneath the plant. There might not be anything visible there now. This might be as a result of what happened late last year. Um, what about, um, is it sequestering feed? Yes, sequestering. Yes, you can. Seaweed feed. Oh, yeah. Maxi crops. Maxi crops are really good, actually. Mm. Uh, It's got seaweed in, yes. Sequestrine or sequestered iron, any sort of iron-based product would be good to basically, it's it's a greening up agent for your sort of more acid-loving plants. All right. What colour? Thank you very much. What colour is your camellia? Come on. Pink. Pink. Very good. Lovely one. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. We're going to talk fig trees, aren't we? going to talk fig yes, trees. Well, I hope so, yes. Good morning, gentlemen. Brian, Good morning. what have we got, Brian? I've got two fig trees. One is a bound turkey, I think is the name. I don't know what the other one is. They're both in pots. They're both still undercover from protection over the winter, and they were well protected. They've got lots of fruits on them and the leaf is coming up lovely. What do I feed them on, and when do I feed them? Well, you can actually... So, did you say the leaves are just emerging? The leaves, yeah, just emerging. See, I suppose the top leaves are about an inch and a half out, and they're just breaking open. Yeah, I'd wait for them to come into full leaf, and I'd actually use something like a liquid feed. Yeah. Uh, A general-purpose liquid feed would be fine, and since you're going for fruit... Um, yeah. Actually, maybe one more specific, like tomato feed, would be would be good uh, yeah. in the pots. What size pots are they in? 
Uh, one is in its original pot, which I came from the garden centre, and it's, that, that plant is about 18 inches high. Um, but that pot is buried in a concrete pot with soil around it just ha- just to anchor it. Very good, yeah, that's good. Um, uh, that one is in a, a, about an 18-inch concrete pot um, planted as it is, but that's been there a couple of years, and that hasn't developed much. But this year it's got about 10 or 15 fruit on it, and the leaf, I say, is looking lovely. And Excellent. That's about just over 18 inches, two foot high. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, the, the definitely feeding when it's in leaf so that it can take up the nutrition. Mm. Yeah. Um, any sort of pruning at this time of the year, well, if it was a plant that was in the ground, I would, and therefore hadn't had the protection, it was just pruning out the winter damage, uh, yeah. but also pruning down to um, the largest fruit um, to let all that goodness go into that large fruit. Where yours have been protected, uh, you could do some tipping, um, just in front of some of those fruits or actually forego the smallest ones and cut them down to a fruit and then allow the plant to carry on growing. Yeah. Um, so you 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 could be a person who's benefiting then from the double cropping that you could get from a fig. Yeah. By yeah. the way you're doing it, yeah. They're looking so healthy and lovely this year. That I, get some fruit. I had one last year, but it dropped off oh. um, towards <laughs> the, end of the end of the season sort of thing. Um, but... The, the, the plants looks very healthy this year. Good. Well, you're doing a grand job by the sounds of things. Good. Ask one, one other quick question. Um, rhododendron, all the leaves are going yellow. Across the whole plant? Whole plant, yeah. Is it in a container or in the ground? No, it's in the ground. It's amongst. The, it's on the small rose bed. Um, it's too, um, too much water, isn't it? And when the leaves are dropping, they are folding in from the outside and going, going very brown and crispy. No, the, if that was... the flower, it's just started to flower, and the flowers look okay. Okay, it's usually I... too much water when it yellows, but the browning isn't, is it? No, the yellow, if it was too much watering, the yellowing would be on the young, yeah, on the oldest on the, leaves. On the old growth, wouldn't it? Then you get leaf drop. Um, if it's it's going yellow to brown and then dropping. But, so, and, but the flowers uh, are okay, you're saying? Stabilise a little bit. Sorry, the the leaves seem to. That's they were dropping quite heavy about a week, week, two weeks ago. But um, I've taken them up and cleaned them all, cleaned them all out, and it seems to have stabilised a little bit. But they are still going yellow. They're right. not well, dropping so much. Anything? Uh, uh, a, a rose bed. Uh, I have fed the rose. Um, was it the right feed? No, would the feed be suitable for rhododendron what? as well as the Did rose. Did you use rose, or, just a normal rose fertiliser? Uh, yes, ro- uh, yes. But that, 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 no. that wouldn't have done anything to the plant, really. And the fact you've got it flowering and the, and the leaves, are, some leaves are sort of okay. Yeah. I mean, what I would probably do is, you tend to sort of do it a bit later on, but you could, once, where the leaves are good, it might be worth using a drench of uh, sequestered iron. Yeah. Uh, around the base. Um, anything that's gone from, from yellow to brown isn't going to come back again. So you might want to, even though it's going into flowering, is do some initial pruning now and just take that off. Yeah. Um, and, and then monitor the plant, see what happens, actually. There are, a lot, there are some fungal issues with rhododendrons. Uh, difficult to sort of tell over air, really. Send a photo in. And we'll have a look at it for you. That will be easier. Yeah, I'll, but, I'll try and do that, but me and my computers don't always see eye to eye. Okay. <laughs> All right, but, okay, but, but try those. Try, the, try what we've suggested and go from there, but if you want to send anything in, it's ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. 
I said I'd go back to Brenda from Hawkwell. Hello, Ken. I would like to put some strawberries in a raised bed. Can you tell me the best varieties and when best to plant? Now. Plant now. Yes? Yeah, now or the other time is actually in the autumn. Yes, but if she's got a raised bed, get it. Do get, now. Go. Now, it's, it's difficult because there are now so many, aren't there? I mean, where do you start? You can still go back to the old ones, Cambridge favourite. Well, still a good one. Which is a great flavour. And there's also everbearers that, that produce fruit right through the year, aren't there? And, in fact, some of those are flamenco, Mal, Malwina. Have you heard of that one? Malwina. Symphony, Mauling, Opal. I tell you what, there are so many. Do you know what I'd do? I would go to a well-known company, wouldn't you, a mail order, because you can buy the mail order now, can't you? Wouldn't you, you can do. do. Um, also, don't forget your very good garden centres have got a range. Yes. And you have some supplies in the county. We have. Now, uh, Pomona are in the county. Pomona Fruits, look them up, I would. And the other one, of course, is <clears throat> Ken Muir, and they do a super range. Um, you know, I was just looking at the... There's a lovely one here. There's a... Three-tier planter here. Um, it's got vibrant, elegance, and fenella. Now I've heard of fenella, and fenella I know I've seen because it's quite disease-resistant. Yeah. I tell you what, I mean, if I go to a catalogue, there's what 12, 15, 20 varieties. So really, yeah. it's worth just trying some that and, you like. And the thing is, in a trough, you are going to get very little problems bed. with or raised bed. You're going to get very little problems with grey mould. Uh, potentially very little problems with mildew, although powdery mildew might be a problem because you've got to keep on top of your watering. And that's it. Yeah. So an easy one. Enjoy them, Brenda. Next year, when I for them this year, but next year, punnet of strawberries looking would forward be expected, to it. and we're all looking forward to them already. Um, Wimbledon wheat, do you reckon? Sorry? Or just before? No, could get some early ones, a bit before Wimbledon, I think, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Yep. So, Brenda, keep us in touch with your strawberries, and we look forward to those. I always think it's a disappointment that they're always in supermarkets all year. I know there's English ones in now that have been going, grown under glass, but uh, strawberries a bit early, isn't it, for me? I like to eat Or do you like to eat them? <laughs> he likes to eat them all year. Well, I, I do like to I have them as it. seasonal, se actually. You do like them I seasonal? Do. I'm a bit of a seasonal veg and fruit man. Trevor in Basildon, sorry to have kept you waiting. We're talking cats with you. Is that right, Trevor? Yeah, that's right. Last week you were talking about uh, cat watch. Yes, Catwatch. That, I'm glad you said the name because I'd forgotten it when that lady rang. Yes. Yeah, uh, I brought one on Monday. Yep. Um, excellent. Absolutely. I haven't seen a cat in the garden all week. Well, I hope that <laughs> I hope that person is listening that was on earlier because I couldn't remember its name, but I, I Catwatch is well, the one. And it, the thing about, about it, it's pounds. yeah, they're not cheap, but they're specific. But no, no, it's not cheap. They're specific for cats. And the thing is, what people have done with the invention of this sonic, because it's a, it's a, it's, isn't it? It's a sonic, um, what do you call it? That we can't it, hear. It's it a noise. A, yeah, there's a, yeah. That we can't no. hear. But because they've widened it to cover dogs, deer, and rabbits and cats, if you widen it, it's not as specific to a cat. Whereas the one you're talking about is specific to cats. That's right, yeah. I'm and glad. It, I'm uh, glad you found it works, Trevor. Yeah, it really does. You know, because I've had problems for the last couple of years, mm -hmm. and the dog keeps chasing them, but he don't keep them out. No, we always you say know, jokingly, "Get a dog," don't we? You know, if I've got a yeah, cat problem, it, get uh, get a dog. But uh, no, that's really. Yeah, it, but it really does work. I was quite amazed that 
from the moment. And the funny part about it, I weren't sure if it was working. And the two cats were sitting out in the front garden next door. Yep. So I kind of sneaked it up to the wall without them seeing it <laughs> and switched it on. And did well, they run they off? Went. <laughs> they oh, went. Yeah, That's they, brilliant. They, they, yeah, they scarpered. Yeah, Excellent. So anybody's got a cat problem, it's worth the money. Thank you very much indeed, Trevor. You see, you do get good advice here on BBC Essex sometimes. <laughs> Trevor, that's lovely. Sneaky devil, eh? Putting, a, putting it in next door. Right, we've done the one about strawberries, uh, but I wanted to deal with these. How can I grow white celery? I do not like the green celery that is sold now. Um, you've got to blanch it, which means you have to earth it up, don't you? You can you can get self blanching types. Self blanching types. Yeah, you can get self blanching types. But it still types. comes out a bit green, doesn't it? It's whitey green, isn't it? It's not. <clears throat> it's not totally green, is it? It's not totally white, is it? Do you think so? No, well, maybe not. It's not really, is it? But you can get self blanching types. You can. Right. My head, so the answer think. is. So <clears throat> it will be fair to the seed merchants and say there is a self blanching one that you should be able to get, Helen. Um, that's the answer. And if not. Um, you need to, it's earthing up, isn't it? You put them in, a, grow them in a trench, basically, and earth up like a potato. Yeah, and I've you? also seen people use sort of corrugated card around the bases of the world and earth up around and those. Pa- newspaper, rolls of newspaper yeah. round and then earth up round the newspaper. So there is, there is something there that you, you can do. So they are. Um, I, have, um, I have blossom coming on my apple trees. Is now the time to put up my coddling moth traps? And that's John in Thundersley. Uh, you can, well, as in the pheromone traps, yes. you can actually start putting those up now. Yes, definitely. Uh, good kits in most garden centres. You can just hang them up, little corrugated tents. Uh, you might also want to uh, put a grease ban. The grease ban sort of picks up on the winter moths and things, but it's actually quite a good one to have on all year. Uh, come up about two foot from the base yeah. uh, of the ground and then wrap that around and just update them. There's no chemical on them as such. It's so you can use a band, or there is a glue as well, isn't there? Is there another is a glue, one that's yeah. like a squeezy. A, that's right. There's a, there's a glue, and there are also bands. I think do the glue, and then another company do the bands. So there's plenty of. Yeah. And between way... those, you'll probably cover most things, really, most of your moths. And most people will keep moths away, won't they, by doing that? I mean, and coddling moths got to be one of the biggest problems in most fruit, isn't it? Well, because... coddling moth, but also winter moths as well. Yeah, are... I meant sorry, coddling <clears throat> moth and winter moth, because you've got the plum ones, plum moth, which goes. There's nothing worse than a Victoria plum with them. No. With and, a wiggly worm. And there are some specific traps for those. So it's worth going go into your good garden centre and they'll have that for you. So, and last but not least, um, I have to smile because this is from Linda in Dovergort. She put in Cat Watch into Google to find that, in fact, she got a row of children's watches with cat faces on it. Oh, well, there you go. Then. So they are, you see. <laughs> <laughs> cat faces. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the gardening advice, tips and events, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go. Just visit the BBC Essex website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11.